Dude, this chair sucks. I'm just going to squeak your chair in the middle of the... Yeah. I can't sit still. I'm sorry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-Week Challenge reading plan. And make sure to send in those questions as they pop up in your heads as you're attentively and studiously paying attention to our discussion over every week because we love those questions from you. Uh, I'm not really expecting you to sit there with a notepad and take notes of what we're talking about, but sometimes questions pop up and we'd love to take some time at the end of every podcast as much as we can to answer those questions. So if you, if a question arises, uh, send them via email to info at grove.church. Uh, again, that's info at grove.church. You can email us or you can direct message our, our Grove Church Facebook page. We're the Grove Church in Washington State. We'd love for you to send those questions in so we can spend time answering them. There you go. Uh, this week, we are talking about Ruth, uh, both the character and the book, because they're pretty much contained. Yeah, because there's two for one today. You guys get two for one this week. You're welcome. I think Ruth might be mentioned in passing in other books, but she's definitely not a character in any of any of the other books. Her and Boaz Only are pretty- Only the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah, they're pretty self-contained there. So that's what we're talking about. But they're in the Dead Sea Scrolls, so- there you go. Uh, as far as uh, the resources we're using today, uh, the ESV study Bible, study Bible, as always, Logos Bible Software, and the Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Henson and Gary Yates. Yep. All right. So Ruth is pretty straightforward. It's, yeah. uh, it's a pretty simple book, pretty yeah, easy book it's to all, read. It's all it's narrative. narrative. So yeah. it's, it's a story that you can track and follow. Yeah. No poetry. No, uh, That's unfortunate. no really intense There's symbolism. some romance, for sure. There's some heartbreak. Oh, yeah. Um, this would be a great... Not a romant rom com. It's not. There's no really rom com to it. It's but. a comedy in the sense of plot structure, not in the yeah, sense of being it's comedic. Not, it's not comedic. Yeah, not a rom com, but it's definitely a romantic movie. So there you it's go. something you would snuggle up in a blanket with your significant other, your wife, or your spouse, uh, and you would enjoy that. So yeah, it's a good book, good story. Uh, so, anyways, like we said, Ruth is one of the great love stories of the Bible, um, and it's also a beautiful story of grace and redemption. It is set in the late period of the Judges. So if you're reading through Judges, basically the period where um, all of the weird stuff starts happening. I think it's Judges 18 is when that all kind of starts happening. But it's just, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of lawlessness. The people of Israel are turning away from God. That's when all of this is happening. Um, we don't know who it was written by or when it was written, um, but there is some thought that it was written about the same time as Judges. And the theory there would posit that the book of Judges was written um, in part to show the need for a king, basically. And so, if mm. you look through Judges, it's, you know, here's all the heroes of the past. And at the very end, it's like, and here's how crazy Israel went at the end. And then it kind of makes sense for like Saul and David to come in and be king. It's so. interesting because what I've read and what I've seen even this morning was about, it was between, probably written between 930 and 1000 BC, um, which is after David was king and it was written after the time. Uh, almost because the kingdom had divided at that point. And so it was kind of, yeah. in essence, trying to draw them back uh, to the roots a bit. But that's just what I've read. There. Oh, yeah. There's nothing There's nothing definitive. So it's a very... It, I read that it was written potentially by Samuel is some of the... Oh, that'd be um, cool. What's the word I'm looking for? And we just did a podcast on Samuel, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, but, it, it, but it was... Oh, I forget now. Anyways. Uh, yep. And the thought is... Um, a scholar's perspective. That's what it was. Yeah. The thought is that uh, the book of Ruth also kind of helps establish the lineage of David yep. a little bit. Um, and we'll get to that at the end of the yeah. book. So... Uh, and then why it would be written after David. Yep. Uh, and, to that timeline. Sorry. <laughs> and then finally, like we said, uh, it's very easy to read. You can kind of, you can really just read the whole thing in one sitting. It's just a straight story. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of fluff to it. It's really just kind of... 
it presents it's there. Yeah. There's a few things that are culture that we'll get to that are culturally confusing if you just read it through, which is why I like podcasts like this. So we oh. can kind of break stuff down. Just but. wait till you get the, to the climax of the story. How, how weird that is. Yes. But it'll yeah. be, it'll be a good time. I'll have a little rant on that too. Uh, so anyway, with, with all of that being said, there's four chapters and it really easily breaks down because each of the four chapters really is a different part of the story. Yeah. So there's no weird dividing in there. So we're just going to go chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, You're take welcome. you through the story. And at the end, we'll talk about the legacy of Ruth and uh, what we can learn from her story. Not so. much, but no, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> so bad. Our story kicks off. Chapter one. Imagine with Once me. Once upon a time. If you will. Ancient Israel. The town of Bethlehem. I'm picturing it yet? Yeah, exactly. Rolling, rolling hills. But unfortunately, there's a famine in the land, a drought, if you will. Food is not growing. People are starving. And we zoom in on Elimelech, who is a, which is a great name to say. Uh, he and his wife, Naomi, and their sons, Malon and Kilion or Chilion. Evan's living his best life right now. I love telling stories. Uh, they decide that, you know, it's... It's, they're going to die. Their, their, their farm's not growing. Their land is basically worthless at this point. They need to go somewhere else in order to survive. And so they decide to move to Moab, which is to the east of Israel. Uh, now, Moab, you may remember, are the descendants of Esau. Uh, but you may also remember that they do not worship God over in Moab. Church. So no no Yahweh worship happening there. They uh, Is it Kimosh, I think, is the God that they worship mostly? So. Sure. Anyway, at I don't f- know. full disclosure... If you ever listened to Adventures in Odyssey, I had a Ruth tape, that cassette tape that I would listen to, and I have that stuck in my head at all times when I'm talking about Ruth. He and that's how that's how I remember uh, certain aspects of the story. So anyway. It's amazing how things like that work. Oh, yeah. As a kid, like, oh, I remember that part of the story. Yep. I just remember Mine was Superbook, the show Superbook. Oh. Is what I read it. Watched I like as a Superbook. Kid. Not like the new updated, like the old school 90s animated movie it was the Zero. adventures in odyssey and uh mr henry I don't even know which mr. i found henry out is. that uh one of our former co-workers her uh great uncle is mr henry and i was like what so anyway he was awesome i don't know who you're talking about all right he was he read bible stories but that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about the story of we're talking ruth. About ruth not mr henry all right so this family moves to moab um it pretty much goes south right away because literally the next verse after they moved to moab is uh ruth 1 3 through 5 it says but elimelech the husband of naomi died and she was left with her two sons these took moabite wives the name of one was orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So it's a sad story. Immediate. It's worse than Marley and me. Oh yeah. Immediate tragedy strikes. I mean, we don't know how much time passed between the death of Elimelech and the death of their, death of their sons, but yes, not. Do. These two took more by wise ones. They lived there about 10 years. Oh, <laughs> Where does it say that? These are the, the, oh, four. they lived there about 10 years. It. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm just a, I'm a clown. You're new. Sorry, what guys. New? Skipped right over it. So there you go. It's about 10 years later, Malon <laughs> and Kilion died. So that's what's happening. Uh, also, fun fact, this story might be apop- apocryphal, but I've heard it before, is that the reason Oprah's name is what it is, is because it was- Orpa? She was supposed Oprah. to be Orpa, oh. but it was misspelled. Oh, I didn't know that. So again, that could not be true, but I've heard that a few times. So let's just call it fact. There you go. She's not listening anyways. If Oprah, if you're listening, we would love the correction if you're, if we're wrong. <laughs> so uh, after all of this happens, and, and I do want to make sure we don't skip over this. This is an incredibly painful thing yeah, to have sucks. happen. So they move to a foreign land. Uh, her husband dies. And to then, live. They move to a foreign land to live. Yeah, to stay. To get away from famine because they want to live and survive. <laughs> yep. 
and then, then yeah. all of this happens. Naomi's two sons die. Um, they don't have any children from what we can tell. And so oh. Naomi decides to move back to Israel and Orpah and Ruth uh, say that they're going to go with her. So they, they're going, they're leaving. And then basically right when they're getting ready to leave Moab, uh, Naomi turns to her daughters or daughters-in-law yeah. and she basically tells them, hey, like, just go back. Um, go back to your people. Yeah. They're, they're young enough that they might be able to remarry again. Um, they don't have any kids. Yeah. I mean, we actually do know that. It's it's in the scripture too, but. Yeah. Uh, and then there there is also this reality that Naomi's going back to live in, to live in poverty mm-hmm. is what she's going to live in. And she doesn't want that for her daughters-in-law. So it is a very loving thing that Naomi's doing here to kind of like dis. Dis- yeah, she's releasing them from their obligation to stay. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was going to say dismissing, but releasing is way better. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Orpa uh, does does go, and I don't want to like uh, I don't want to look at Orpa in a negative yeah, light. There's no shame there. Yeah, she like yeah. Naomi okay. offers Orpa loves her. And it's clearly. not that she doesn't love Naomi or whatever, but it's like yeah, I'm going back to my people. You're going back to your people, and we'll die the way we die. Yep. And we get that uh, in the scripture here. In verses 14 through 18, and they lifted up their voices and wept again. This is Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. This is my issue with the ESV. Why say lodge? Why say lodge? Where you lodge, I will lodge. Come on. Where you where you <laughs> live, I will live. Like, whatever. So There, there you go. So I don't like the ESV, Evan. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so I, I, I do like, I do it's, like the ESV. We say it all the time. Evan loves the ESV. It's Evan's standard version. Yep. I love mine. But that is probably, that's probably the most famous passage of the book of Ruth. Um, And you see here, uh, the character of Ruth is like, the thing I love about Ruth too is um, they're just such likable people, Ruth. And then Boaz, we'll get to him later. Um, But I think with so many of the, um, there's there's something really beautiful about the fact that in most of the Bible, the characters are incredibly flawed and God uses them. But there is something nice about like, you're just rooting for Ruth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no like side thing. It's just like, oh man, I hope it all works out for her. So it's just, it's nice. Um, but yeah, Ruth is incredibly loyal. Um, mm-hmm. And what she's doing here is incredibly selfless because again, she's been released from her obligation to go. Um, she could go back to Moab. She could remarry. She could do all these different things, but she's electing to stay with Naomi and, and knowing full well that she is going, she's electing poverty. Yeah. She's electing to be poor uh, because of the love that she has for Naomi. Yep. All right. Chapter two. So Ruth and Naomi travel back. Uh, Naomi declares that her name is now Mara, which means bitter. And she says, for the almighty has dealt me many bitter blows. So Naomi- If only we could all change our name so easily sometimes. I yeah. think there'd be hundreds of name changes for everybody. So anyways. Yeah. So Naomi not doing well. Uh, so Ruth not, and Mara now. Not, not, I'm, and I'm going to keep calling her Naomi because I mean- that's her Spo- name. Spoiler, she changes her name back. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so, because, you know, because happy things happen. Uh, and then Naomi tells Ruth to go glean in the fields of her relative Boaz. All right. So we're going to have to explain What's gleaning? gleaning. Exactly. So there's a few cultural things in this book that, we're, that we talked about that are kind of interesting. First one is gleaning. Um, gleaning, I think, is, is so beautiful as a concept. Um, but basically what it is, is it was law in Israel that when uh, the harvesters were working in the fields, when they dropped things, they were not supposed to pick them up. 
Um, they were supposed to leave them on the ground so that the poor could follow behind them and they could pick up um, the leftover grain and things like that. And they would be able to take it for free so that they could eat. So gleaning in the fields basically meant that you would walk behind um, the harvesters, the workers mm-hmm. in the field, and what whatever they dropped, you would pick up and you would put into a basket or a bag for you to be able to go home and eat. Yeah. So there you go. It's a, it's a, it's a, it actually is a, it is a very beautiful picture. Yeah. It's of, a, it's a built-in law. Looking out for one another. Like, yeah. That God gave. Uh-huh. So anyway, there's the, meaning is. there's the whole thing. Uh, Boaz is the man. Uh, he's just, he's just really cool. Uh, he's loved by all of his servants. And then he, he begins to take notice of Ruth. So we're going to read that passage here. This is the longest passage we're reading today, but I think it's just, you know, yeah, it's just, but I think it's important for everybody here. Um, Evan's not being fully transparent. In his notes, he did not say that Boaz is the man. Oh, I put Boaz is uh, the shiz. <laughs> Evan's stuck sometimes in some old verbiage that is just ridiculous. But um, so Evan says Boaz is the shiz and we just need to pray for him. There you go. From those things. <laughs> Anywho. Ruth chapter four. Verses four through, or two, uh, chapter two, verses four That's through 13. Said, chapter two. It says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So this is kind of Thank like. Thank you for the tone change too. That helped me. You're welcome. It's, I, do, I do love just like, it's a whole thing where, it, but you can imagine like in a movie, like this is the character reveal of Boaz that he just walks out into the sun shining field and he's like, ah, workers, the Lord be with you. The and birds like, are singing. Oh yeah. It's better than the movie Enchanted and Tangled and all that. And then we get this verse. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And then the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman. She came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when they are thirsty, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have now come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Okay, so there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there. First off, uh, I mean, Boaz just kind of instantly is like, "Who's who is that?" So, yeah. little little romance stirring. Well, but even of... before that, for a second, even to say like how Boaz is a man of high integrity. Like Boaz is a man of high character. Um, he's a, he's a very great example of godliness. He's a very great example of honor. Um, and I love I love this because it even I mean it reveals and reminds us like this is this is God's intention for humanity <laughs> is how to view one another. Yeah. Um, and there was never this proud or arrogance to his statements, even like the the whole idea, like he's paying attention to a foreigner who he knows about. Um, and he didn't, he hadn't seen her. So he finally put a face to a name and a story, which is then hit the conversation he has afterwards. I just think like the picture of Boaz is pretty remarkable. And I, I think it's important to like, I think Evan, you say this at the end, so I'm not going to say it, but like as, as Boaz is a great example for you, for us to follow and, and, and clean or not clean, but glean from to use that. Glean. Uh... Don't you see? 
But it's a great, I think Boaz, is, it just, I mean, it's, it's indicative of God's grace, of God's view of, of and high regard for people. And as Christians that we should follow suit and do the same thing. So mm-hmm. I just like the, I liked his response and interaction with, with Ruth and, or not Ruth yet, but Naomi uh, and talking to his servants as well. So anyways, go ahead. Yep. He has us high. He sees this, this beautiful young lady named Ruth. Exactly. Who and, is she? Hmm. And I do love the subtle, like, Hey, like, wow. Hey, you don't need to go. Don't need, you don't need to go anywhere else. You stay can stay here. Yeah. You can stay here. You can glean here all you want. It'll be, it'll be totally I told fine. Him he's not to touch you. Like, yeah. You can drink uh, water with him. Yeah. And so there's, stay, there's all of leave. that. Afterwards, he invites her to dinner, which they, uh, we, we didn't read that passage, but that's happening there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite things is he tells the servants to kind of, uh, Hey guys, if Ruth's behind you and you like, you know, if you drop a little bit extra, that's I'm not going to be mad. You know, that's fine. Like, don't I might even don't give you a raise. And so you kind of get this picture that like the servant, like I don't know, like one they, for me, they, three for her. They scythe off a little bit. And they're like, oh no, and then they drop a bunch. So I'm kind of I'm I'm paraphrasing that section there, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, it is this moment of of Boa saying, hey, it's okay to like to leave a little extra out for her to pick up and clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, again, it's that picture that I think is so cool. So Boaz is clearly smitten uh, with Ruth. And so we've got that whole thing going on. Uh, this goes on for quite some time. And then Naomi reminds Ruth that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. What the heck is a kinsman <laughs> redeemer? So with our second of three cultural things that we need to explain in this book, um, a kinsman redeemer, again, another beautiful thing that was built into the law for the protection of the destitute. The idea being, um, it's like today, if if you're a widow, um, there's government programs to help take care of you, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of just the way it works. Um, and also the church is here to be able yeah. to take care of you as well. Um, back then, there wasn't like the government programs. And so the, what was built into the law was this idea that if a, if a woman died, not if a woman died, if a woman's <laughs> husband died, um, it was the responsibility of... Um, one of her male relatives to, Mm -hmm. or one of the male relatives of her husband, I should say, uh, to marry her and take care of her. Um, And even if they already had a wife, part of that would just kind of be like, you would take her on as a second wife. Um, But another cool thing that was built into the law is that the children that you had with her, you would treat as the children of your, um, of your relative. So like if your brother died and, and you married your brother's wife, the children that you had would be your brother's children as yeah. far as, and so that their line so would be they able would to carry continue. on his line and his, yep. his, they would receive his inheritance and and gain his, his property, their father's property. Exactly. So it's a whole cool thing um, that is happening there. And then I, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those other interesting things with Boaz, because I've, I've heard it said both ways that um, I've heard people posit that he is married and that he's taking Ruth on as another wife. And I've also heard it posited that he's single. I choose to kind of just believe he's single because it's not explicit either yeah, way. And we don't hear about his wife. We yeah, exactly. Wife. So we, we don't hear even in, in the history that it refers to Boaz at times that he had multiple wives. We don't hear any of those things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm firmly on the, he's a single older guy camp, but yeah. I just let, just letting you, you yeah. the so listener until, until we find, and this is, I mean, this is something that this is kind of my rant that I'll get to in, in a little bit here. Um, but it's it's one thing where we've got to be really careful to read our own contextual perspective of things. Um, and and until we know for sure that Boaz had another wife, we can't assume that he did. Yeah. Um, it's unfair to scripture. It's unfair to the integrity of scripture. It's unfair to even us as Christians to assume something that we know better until we have 
like definitive information about it. So it's definitely one of those things that we've got to walk carefully with. So there you go. I, I picture Boaz is, you know, he's just an older guy who's single, like a Richard Gere, if you will. So I don't, I don't know why that's the name that came to my head, but it was. So I got nothing, bro. Anyway, uh, so moving on. So Naomi reminds Ruth that Boaz is one of the kinsmen redeemers, which means that he is in line. Um, if he wants to marry Ruth, he has the, the legal right yeah. um, to do so. Because he's a brother of Naomi's husband. No. I don't remember how the... Re- I think it just says he's a member of the clan of yeah, Elimelech. Shoot. Yeah. I don't think it Sorry, gives. I was wrong. I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, and then he also has the right um, to inherit Elimelech's land and yeah. then pass that on to the, to the son that he has yeah. with him. And there is, a, there is a, a, a... What's the word I'm looking for? There is a priority, so to speak. Like There's individuals who have whoa, priorities. Whoa, spoilers, Aaron. So he's one, of the, he's one of the guys that is in line for that. Um, and that's where, yes, this is where the spoiler comes in. Cause there is someone ahead of him that we get, we'll get to here in a minute, but we'll get to that. Uh, so anyways, so, uh, Naomi then tells Ruth how she can propose to Boaz. Um, this is our final thing. That's yes, really, this weird. is a culture like what? So apparently I'm actually mad at my wife after reading this, that she didn't propose to me this way. Yeah. No, what, I'm just what the heck? It's so weird. Um, so apparently culturally it's, it's weird for us, but it, it's normal back then. What we can gather from the book is that it was, it must've been tradition for the the owners of fields to sleep in the fields during harvest time. So instead of sleeping, them. yeah, it's instead like of sleeping. a shepherd with his flock. There you go. So instead of sleeping in the house, Boaz uh, would just kind of camp out in the middle of his fields. And so- With and, a shotgun and I'm just kidding. In order to propose to Boaz, what Ruth would need to do is to find him when he's asleep and take his blanket and hey, uncover his feet. Keep keep it pure, please. And then keep it pure. Uh, not the ankles, just the feet. <laughs> and, then, and then she would lie down at his feet at seat, yeah. and wait for him to wake up. And then I forgot what she says because I didn't write it down, but oh, I know it's in, it's in here. So hold on, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, and then boom, that's kind of her way of saying, and I, I don't remember. I'm available? Yeah. I don't remember if this is like an actual traditional proposal or if it's specifically for asking someone to redeem you. Um, oh, I don't know that either. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Ruth is explicit about it one way or the other, yeah. but it could be that this is specifically something that. Um, been a redeemer or whatever. Yeah. So anyways, that happens, uh, Boaz wakes up, and then we get to this. So in uh, Ruth chapter 3, verses 18 through 13, at midnight, the man, that being Boaz, uh, was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet, which would be quite the surprise to wake up Whoa, in the middle of the night and like, wait a who second. Uh, he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So she is straight up asking yeah. him, please redeem me. I'm surprised he didn't kick her. <laughs> yeah, wake up suddenly, the little jolt. Um, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first that you have that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Um, I do want to pause there for a second because I do love that Ruth is asking Boaz. To be her sugar daddy. Yeah. Like to, no, I'm just kidding. Well, like, I, I, that's not a, to the way we understand sugar. I'm just yeah, totally it's being a, ridiculous. It's a crude way to say it, but, but it is right, right? Like she's basically saying, I have no dowry. I'm extremely poor. I, I want you to marry me and to basically lift me up out of the situation. And yeah. Boaz's reply is that you are being so kind right now. So he, it's not, he's not viewing this as he's offering her the kindness of rising her out. He's, he's viewing this as she's being so yeah. kind as to think of me to have the honor of marrying her. Yeah. As and, the, and the other side too, just to, just so you know, like part of Ruth's ambition here is not for her own well-being. It's for Naomi's. Right. Her ambition to, 
to be married, to have a kinsman redeemer is not just so that she's well off. Because she came into Bethlehem. She came back with, with Naomi into poverty. She totally understood it. Her care and concern, which is why she labored so hard, which is why she- Yeah, said so she barely took a break cleaning. Yeah, she did because she, because of Naomi, because of how good Naomi has been to her. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Getting emotional over yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I had something welling up in my throat that wasn't tears, I promise. But there, that is the, that is the tension here. Like that is the, the picture here is Naomi or Ruth is her concern is to do things honorably, to do things right, and to care well for Naomi. Yep. Which is which is unheard of. And so that that's part of the picture that's going on right here. And so from from both of their perspectives, um, they're just in awe at the kindness of the other person, mm-hmm. which I think is a real it's just a really beautiful yeah. thing. So um, and then Richard Gere says, and now my daughter, <laughs> do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer dun, dun, dun. nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Uh, and so Boaz is again the man, and he's basically saying like, hey, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. You don't worry. Just lie down here, and then we'll we'll get it figured out. So... Uh, moving back to just one last thing for the Adventures and Odyssey, because I think it's really funny, is that for a very large portion of my life, I thought that the name of the person who was in line before Boaz was Oren, because that's his name in Adventures and Odyssey. He's not actually named in the book of Ruth. He's just a guy. That's hilarious. So, but like, because I remember like, this is years ago now, but I went in and read it for, I think I was teaching in uh in youth about it. And I was like, where's Oren? And then I remembered like, oh, it's just like some name I have in my That's head. That's so funny. I'm going to refer to him as Oren because true. I like the name. Oh, well, and here's my rant. Here's my issue. Oh, uh, right. And it goes back to what I've already said. We've got to be very careful not to read into scripture a cultural or a pompous and arrogant perspective of what is actually happening in this picture. Um, I, I'm a firm believer. The Bible is anti-premarital sex. I'm, I'm a firm believer. The Bible talks about purity and honor and integrity in regards to relationships and between man and woman. Um, and I only say this because I get up in arms about it. Evan and I've had this conversation for years. We're not really, we don't, we had it a year, like years ago. We had it one time. (laughs) And, and he didn't disagree with me, which is why we've never had to have it again. When he disagrees with me, we cycle back to the, the arguments about, a dozen times a, a year. Um, True that. But here's my issue is there is very, you know, there's a very distinct narrative that I remember hearing as I was studying and growing up and being in college even where the implication was that now Ruth and Boaz had sex. Um, and and we cannot read that into this text because it doesn't explicitly say that. If Boaz is an honorable man, he's not going to sleep with a woman in my opinion. Um, but I don't, I don't have biblical backing to that. I think it's a fun thing that a college professor thought would be funny to say, uh, but I don't agree with it. And, and then it's just important to remember, we have to read scripture for what it is and understand the context surrounding it. If Boaz is an honorable man, if Ruth is an honorable woman and Boaz knows there's someone else there to redeem her, then why would he step in and do something that is not his right or honor to do? Right. Uh, and so we've got to be really careful with that. Um, even as I've read it, like, and that's the part of it is I think my mind has now been t- tainted against this thought. So every time I read Ruth, it's the first thought that comes in my head. Um, and I probably just ruined it all for you too. I'm sorry. But yeah, I don't know how widespread that opinion is, but I have heard it. Um, and I do think like for me, the big thing too, is it goes against the character of Ruth and Boaz. Yeah. Cause everything up until this point is completely 
basically they're, they're it's, going it's about it. Board. It's yeah, it's, they're going about it in the honorable way. So it would be really weird if that was kind of like the plot and, twist. There. And I think and I think scripture has shown having multiple wives has not been something God has blessed. It happens in, in most situations. Yeah, and I yeah, but I think but it's not something God intended. Um, and even though we took it in our own liberties, because I was even thinking about it's like even when we're talking about kinsmen and redeemers, and sometimes even some of them are married and. But I don't know if it was – anyways, I, I just – I wrestle with the concept of the thought that it's okay to have multiple wives and do whatever you want with them. I don't, I don't know if I agree that that would be biblical, but I'm also in a different culture and context to right. understand fully. So, anyways, no, that's yeah. my two cents. That's my rant. We can move on. It's not our polygamy episode. We can talk about that later, I suppose. I, was, I would episode? say like – What? <laughs> we, have, we just titled it polygamy. Um, <laughs> any. Anyway, uh, I don't know if I was there for that conversation. Suffice it to say, under new covenant right now, uh, it's clear that it's you know it's one man, one woman. That's yes. the, that's the intent that God has for marriage. I would say in the Old Testament, um, there was a few exceptions that God explicitly gave for the protection of women at the time, um, but those would not carry over to now. So, um, obviously, if my brother's wife died today, I'm under no obligation <laughs> to to marry his wife. Although, um, I would be, and we talked about this at what was in Timothy. Um, I would be under obligation to make sure that she's taken care of, which is where like Paul yeah. says, you know, if um, uh, a man who does not care for his family is, is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. So the idea behind it does carry into modern day, yeah. just the, the practical application of how it's done. It does not. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right. So chapter four, the Boaz, chapter. Boaz pill, pulls a little, uh, he pulls a little sneaky, sneaky when he's talking to uh, this mysterious kinsman redeemer. Orin. Yeah, Orin, we can call him. It's um, not a biblical name, just to, to reiterate that so you don't get confused. There, there you go. Uh, but basically, the, the way he sets it up is kind of just like, hey, we have this like inheritance and all this different stuff. He's like, oh, this is awesome. He's like, yeah, all you have to do is marry the Moabite woman. And Orin's kind of like, whoa, hold on, hold on there. So uh, that's kind of like his thing. Again, above board, like Boaz isn't being like crazy about it, but he's, you know, he's framing it in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it is also something to remember that Another sacrifice Boaz is making is it, it would have been considered a little dishonorable to marry a woman who wasn't an Israelite. And mm-hmm. maybe dishonorable is not the right word, but it would have been looked down upon, yeah, it was frowned upon. in the culture. Um, not by God, but... I mean, and you see that you see that tension even in Ruth's response, like, what, what have I done to earn such favor as a foreigner? Um, yeah, true. And, and, part of, and part of the stipulation God put in place, going back to the marriage thing for a second, is to preserve God's people, to preserve his, the lineage of God's people. Um, and he told them not to marry, you know, foreign, foreign women because they'll be drawn to, uh, worship foreign gods. And we see with Naomi or Naomi and Ruth, the story is Ruth purposely leaves her father and mother and what they worshiped, who they aligned themselves with to, to align with Naomi's God, which is Jehovah. So, um, that's some of the things we see play out. So there you go. Um, and yeah, they're basically the way I pulled up the scripture cause I didn't put it in my notes, but I think it is good to say is, uh, so Boaz says, uh, turn aside friends, sit down here. So he's talking to the guy. Um, and he says, let me scroll, scroll down. Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So he he frames it as like, hey, dude, this land, Property. this land is coming up for uh, for sale. You want you want this really sweet land? 
Um, and then Boaz said, the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perp- uh, perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So basically, it's like, whoa, hold on here. Like, I'd have to... And again, we talked about, like, he would... we. We're just kind of assuming that Oren here has another wife. And so he's saying yeah. this is going to screw up his inheritance because now he has to divide the inheritance between his firstborn son and then all of a sudden this son of Malon, right? Yeah. I think Malon is Ruth's husband. It wasn't Kelly. Yeah, on. one of the two. Anyway, so he's like, oh, hold on. No, I can't do it. And Boaz is like, oh, man, are you sure? And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll do it. it all right. I'll take on this heavy burden. Yes. And so that's basically what happens. And they exchange, he takes off the sandal, right? Yep. And hands it over or whatever, which is just the symbol of I'm, uh, another I'm, weird I'm cultural renouncing thing. my rights. I'm renouncing my rights to this property as the kinsman redeemer. I've said for years, we need to get rid of handshake deals in business and go back to sandal trading. I think that is that is the way to do it. Um, but anyway, so all of that happens. He hasn't said that for years. He's lying. Boaz and Ruth uh, get married. And basically, it's a happy, it's a happily ever, ever after ending, right? As far so as the Bible about us all. It says that the, uh, the child gives a ton of joy to Naomi. She's probably living with Ruth and Boaz. Not probably. I mean, she almost certainly yeah. is living with Ruth and Boaz. That's, that's the family dynamics. It's part of the deal. Um, and so she gets to see her grandchild. Um, his name is Obed. And then Obed has a son named Jesse, oh, which where is- where do I know the name Jesse from? Well, that, well, Aaron, because Jesse is the father of David. So- David. I know the name David too. Boaz King and David, Ruth are the great- the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Boaz and Ruth are the great grandparents of King David. So, and by extension, they are uh, ancestors of Jesus. Yep. So they're in, they're in the line. Yep. That's, which why is, you, that's why you see Ruth's name and I think even Boaz's name in Matthew. I think Matthew's, or is it Luke? Whichever one does one the full the two, yeah. And Rahab, I believe, is in there as well, yeah, right? Rahab yeah, Rahab as well. So there's a bunch of- That's re- a different conversation. Yeah, there's a bunch of really cool- um, We should in- just do the genealogy one day. In December. <laughs> as a whole we'll, episode. We'll do the genealogy in, in December. There you go. As we lead up to Christ and Christmas. All right. So that is the end of the story of Ruth. Um, we're just going to take a quick moment to hit on, we're going a little bit over time now. So we'll just take a quick moment to hit on the legacy of Ruth. We won't do any questions today. Um, but yeah, the, the three things that I wrote down, um, and Aaron, I don't know if you have extra thoughts on any of these, but uh, number one, Ruth being a Moabite and in the line of David and Jesus is significant. Um, mm-hmm. And really what it shows is it's not um, it's not the the culture of the nation you're born into, it's who you worship. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we can misconstrue some of the verses in the Old Testament as like God hates foreigners, when in reality it's that God does not approve of people who don't worship him. Yeah. Um, and so Ruth- and, th- and that's a really harsh line to say. It just in general for anybody that God, sure. and it's, but it's, there is, there is truth to it. God doesn't, God doesn't want to be second to anything. Um, but it's true. And I think that that's, that's part of the value and the the beauty of this story is there's inclusion. There's not like, you're not good enough. Yeah. Everyone's good enough because we're creating God's image. He just wants, he wants our hearts to be devoted to him mm-hmm. because he understands, he created us. Um, and so I think that's a big piece uh, of that, that conversation for sure. But. There you go. Um, The other one I say is that Ruth and Boaz are, they're both people that we can aspire to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think specifically, and I'll talk more about Boaz here than than Ruth, but I think specifically they are people that um, men and women can aspire to be. And what I mean by that is is Boaz um, is such a great picture of biblical manhood in that um, he has this great 
marriage of personal success, right? He works hard. Um, he's successful in what he does, but you also see he treats those under him incredibly well. Um, everyone seems to really love him. And then in his pursuit of Ruth, he's completely honorable. He keeps everything above board. Um, and he continually, even, even if he wasn't pursuing her, he's showing kindness um, to people who he, <coughs> um, no one would look down on him if he was like, hey, I don't want foreigners in my yeah. field or whatever it was. But Boaz chooses to show kindness. So it's this really great picture of um, strength of character, hard work, um, but also tenderness and yeah. love. So I think he's a great, he's a great character. And, for and he's attainable. I think that's the other side of it. Yeah. It's not because we can, we say all the time, like, be like Christ, be like Christ, be like Christ. And in our mentality and our psyche, we have, yeah, but I want to be like Christ, but I'm not Jesus. I'm not, I'm not the son of God. I'm not the Messiah. Um, and so a picture like Boaz, who's a very honorable man, who is a great representation of, of God and his, his integrity and grace and mercy and love. And, mm-hmm. um, and he's, so he's an attainable individual because Boaz was not Jesus. He wasn't fully God and fully man. And so for our psyches, we can, we can have an attainable opportunity or option, so to speak, not opportunity, but there's an opportunity to be, have an attainable option yeah. in Boaz. So, I, and I, Ruth, so. And I also think it's interesting that Boaz is not a great man of, um, of history, if that makes sense, but, yeah. he's, but he's a good man. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool thing to aspire to. Um, and then finally, uh, the redemption that Ruth and Naomi experience is beautiful and it shows God's compassion on the destitute or the poor. Yeah. Um, but really you, you have, um, particularly with Naomi, but Ruth also goes through a ton of tragedy as well. She's, I guess she probably wasn't very close to the Limelech when he died, but, um, these two women have lost so much mm-hmm. and they have no idea how the rest of their life is, is going to turn out. And we see in the story of Ruth, um, God taking compassion on them, um, and God kind of orchestrating events for their good. And it's, it's just a really beautiful thing. I think it's, the whole story is just so great. It's it's one of the fe- yeah. it's one of the great feel good stories of the yeah. Bible. Even though like all these people die in the beginning, but it's like ah, who cares about them? The rest of the story <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's and that's why I love Ruth. Yeah, it's a, a great book. It's an easy read, but it's also incredibly powerful in the themes that it presents. So there you go. Uh, well, that's going to wrap it up with uh, for this episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, don't don't forget that uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.